Welcome to season six of Soul Sessions with KK, the Aliyah series. Do you ever wonder how people leave everything behind and make a big move like Aliyah? Meet four brave women from different backgrounds and circumstances who made Aliyah. Some moved to Israel while they were single and some moved with their families. Whatever their journey, their stories will inspire you to take a little bit of Israel home with you or maybe even consider moving to Israel yourself. If you're thinking about potentially making Aliyah, I highly suggest just starting a conversation with Nefesh Benefesh and ask all of your questions. Please note that moving to Israel is a very serious decision that shouldn't be made without proper consultation, research, and strategy. Many have tried and failed, so it's important to do your due diligence. Hopefully, this series of four interviews will cover a lot of important ground. Enjoy the series. Hey everyone, welcome to the final installment of the Aliyah series. So far, each and every one of my guests gave me a very different and fresh perspective of Eretz Yisrael. I learned so much about moving to Israel, living in Israel, and what it's like to live in different parts of Israel with Israelis and non-Israelis. And I really learned so much. Thank you for listening so far and giving me feedback and subscribing and sharing my podcast. So I want to thank you. My next guest is Tova Heller. In this interview, Tova shares her story of how she left her very comfortable life in New Jersey and moved to Israel where she wasn't yet fluent in the language or the culture. Moving to Israel not only led her to a different job and lifestyle, but it also led her to her new husband, Betzalel. She talks about going from a mom of three kids to a family with 10 kids. That's an adjustment. Tova shares what it's like to be remarried, but more specifically to a Sabra, a native Israeli. In this interview, I couldn't help but notice Tova's unwavering faith and trust in God. Through everything she has gone through, God was always and will continue to be a major part of her life. In this last installment of the Aliyah series, Tova teaches us that living in Israel might be challenging, just like anywhere else. But it's the choice we make, no matter how difficult it is, that makes it a life worth living. This is a show you don't want to miss. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. I have Tova Heller on the show today, and I knew I had to have her on the show when I saw her six years ago on Facebook, where she was doing an interview series of her own, interviewing various people from Israel who made Aliyah, and she was doing tours in a shuk in Israel, showing the importance of a shuk. And she still continues to do that, God willing, if the, you know, the pandemic situation is helpful. So Tova Heller, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be on your podcast. It's an honor indeed for you to be here. Thank you. So can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Okay, so hi, everybody. My name is Tova Heller. I'm also known 
everywhere. <laughs> I think as Tova in Israel. Um, when I moved to Israel five and a half years ago, um, I started blogging right away. I was videoing before Instagram lives came on. I was doing other live platforms before it was like a thing. Um, and I called it Tova in Israel because my name is Tova and I'm in Israel, but also because about five and a half years ago, I didn't really find a lot of people that were blogging the positivity of Israel. And because I wanted my kids to come to Israel and have a positive outlook outlook on Israel, even through any challenges, any negativity, I wanted a positive spin. Um, so tov, tova means the good in Israel. So I focused on the good. And I remember in the beginning, people would say to me, it can't all be good. I said, if your eyes are open to the good, good is going to enter. So, you know, it, it depends on how you, the outlook on your life. That your outlook on life. Um, so I moved to Israel from New Jersey five and a half years ago. I live in Yushalayim. Um, I currently live in Yushalayim in Harchoma with my um, remarried uh, almost two and over two years. Uh, I'm remarried to my husband. Uh, I'm remarried to my husband is Bitzalel Heller. Um, we have a new baby who is our first, but is also our combined 10th. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm a mom. <laughs> I, I came with three children. My husband uh, came with six children, and uh, that's nine, and plus our cute baby, Emuna. Um, She's Emuna very Rachel cute. <laughs> our Baruch Hashem, our 10th. And yeah, and you mentioned that I was, I'm doing Shuk tours. Unfortunately, because since Corona hit, it's been literally one year since um, I've been giving my tours. I was giving two or three a day. Yeah, um, yeah. Everything, every single week, and Corona hit, and the skies were closed, and my business literally closed shop. Um, and I'm really just waiting for tourism to come back, for people to come back. Yeah. Um, God willing, everybody should. The entire tourism industry in this country really basically shut down. I'm not the only one. Um, so everybody should just find Parnassa and. Amen. That's the status now. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. When you moved to is Israel originally five years ago, what propelled you to make that big move? You moved at a time when Israel was booming. There was no Seger. There was no coronavirus. So not that it was easy to move to Israel. I don't think it's ever easy to make that big move. But you did move at a time when it was easier than right now, people packing and leaving. And I'm like, what are you doing? How are you moving in the middle of a pandemic? So my question so, to you is, yeah, what, yeah. Like, what motivated you and inspired you to just take up and go, leave your cushiony, comforting lifestyle in New Jersey, right? Yeah. And just say so, uh, sayonara. It was at a time when my, my twins were in first grade, and I remember being at their sitter play. And behind there, and I always wanted, I love Israel. We were coming here on vacation all the time. And every time I left Israel, it was like a pang to the heart. You know, like, how could I leave? This is our home. Anyway, I was sitting in their sitter presentation. And behind them, the entire time they're singing, were visions of Yerushalayim. And I started to think to myself, we're such hypocrites. <laughs> how could we dive in every single day? Um about Yerushalayim, talking about Yerushalayim and, and Pesach, L'shan Ababi Yerushalayim. It just felt very, very inauthentic. I said, we're the Jewish nation. Hashem gave us this land and, and it's like a slap in the face. Hashem gave us a present and we're not taking advantage of it. We're not living in this country. It took, a very, it took almost a year to finally convince the 
appropriate people <laughs> that we're going to move to Israel. Um, and, and I just, I gave up a great job and a great community because really that's why it's so difficult, I think, for the Jewish nation to move out of Chutzlaretz yeah. because they have everything there. There are centers of Torah and there's Rabbanim and there's schools and shoals and kosher food and nothing is lacking. Right. But that is what I think is the biggest zchus when you pick up and you leave from such a, from such when, when it's your decision, when it's when it's your decision and it's not taken from you, you're not coming here because of fear. You're not coming here because, oh, my God, there's a pandemic or because um, how it feels now where the, the skies are closed and you can't come. So all of a sudden you want to come when you come when it's your decision. It's it's so great. But now that the skies are closed and people hopefully are awakened to realize, you know, don't lose out on this opportunity. Come as soon as you can, because nobody knows what's going to happen going yeah. forward. Yeah. So anyway, so so I said, yeah, so that, that was really what inspired me. And also I kept thinking to myself, you know, I might not know when my when I wrote my first blog on TobinIsrael.com and I and I said why I want to move to Israel, I said, I might not know all the words in Tanakh. And I got in I got in a lot of flack for this from <laughs> from friends. I said, but Bergenfield, New Jersey is not in there. You know, mm. in, in there's no Bergenfield, New Jersey in Tanakh. And then I remember having um, Yeshiva Bacharim and seminary students over, and one of the Yeshiva Bacharim wrote to me um, a little while after we had him had him for a meal. He wrote to me that he's moving to Israel, and I said, what inspired you? And he said, I was inspired by a sentence. He said, you said Bergenfield, but I'm saying Muncie. And I, I might not know all the words in Tanakh, but I know that Muncie is not in is not written in there. Wow. So, so I really feel that it's, uh, you have to want it. It's not an easy thing. You know, there's a lot of challenges. But again, if you're opening your eyes to the good and you and you're not you're not coming here saying I need to replicate my life in the States, in Chutzlaretz, but instead, what could Israel do for me? Meaning, how could how could I adapt my life to Israel? There's so much good in Israel. So let me adapt my life to Israel, not let Israel adapt to my past life. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. I feel like you do try your best to always see the good, which I think is a quality that you don't see so often. I feel like the more we have and the more we're used to, it's easier to look at what you don't have. But I'm going to ask you a question that maybe you're not going to like. <laughs> okay. I know that you see a lot of good in Israel, but what about Israel do you feel like perhaps needs more improvements? So I think in the beginning, I, I've been in four different apartments since I, uh, since I moved here. And I think that one of the most challenging things for me for moving from place to place is the bureaucracy um, in terms of having just to change your, your water, your name on the water and the gas and the electricity and things like that. The silliest things. I didn't even know you had to do that. <laughs> I'm saying, God willing, people should move here and be able to buy an apartment. I'm still, we're renting an apartment because we live in Yerushalayim and my God, it's, yeah, it's, you have to come with millions and millions and millions to be able to, first of all, with 10 children, can I have the size of apartment also we need? Um, but I think that that's one of the things that are very challenging that now it's funny because I've moved to two different apartments with my current husband and he's Israeli. So now it's like, Anything, anything Israel related, like Hebrew related, Hebrew is excellent. I, I speak Hebrew beautifully, but to, 
to change over all those things, that's very challenging. Um, yeah. I remember in the beginning when I first moved, you know, sitting in uh, parent-teacher conferences, it was like listening to Chinese because my mind wasn't wrapped around the Hebrew yet so well. So the teachers were speaking and I, and I said, well, but what, what it helped me realize was have Rahmanis on the kids. You know, the kids are sitting in school for seven hours a day and they're listening to what sounds like Chinese to them. We need to make sure that they're going to succeed. Right. Everything I did was to make sure the kids succeed. But no, I think there, Israel has come so far. Yeah. You know, the, there's supermarkets. There's If you don't want to go to the supermarket, there's online shopping. <laughs> the transportation is excellent. I really, there's nothing that I could tell you. I, there's really, I think it's the outlook. I really don't think I could complain about anything, even health insurance. You know, health insurance is so cheap here. Excellent doctors. I can make an appointment. I figured out how to make appointments, you know, on the on the application. On the, you know, everything is, is uh, by the app where you call up, you know, and speak to a representative and you make the appointment. It really, I think you need that, that half a year to really acclimate yourself. And it's not as scary as anybody, you know, makes it out to seem like. Right. Toba, it's funny. I noticed that even when I asked you the question about, tell me like the negatives of Israel, you still came up with positives. It's just, it's your namesake. It's, you see the good in everything and it's really inspiring I know when you moved to Israel, you decided to become a blogger. Can you tell us how that started? What that what inspired you to do that? Yeah, so it's actually very funny. Even before I made Aliyah, in the year before, I started doing live video um, on a platform called Meerkat. Uh, that was, you know, there was no Instagram live yet. It was like unheard of to anybody. Anybody that I knew heard me doing it. They were like, what? What's this live video? And I had a whole fan base and I was talking all about Israel and about the move. And then when I moved to Israel, and it was also, it was live. So when I moved to Israel, all of a sudden that whole fan base was all of a sudden on a different time schedule. So, wow. um, so I had to, I, so I had to take all of that and start writing. Instead of videoing, I decided, let me turn, you know, let me buy a website and I'm going to start writing. I have, you know, at least a hundred blog posts, um, on my website and I started blogging all about life here um about the move about um you know every day day-to-day um life experiences um really to encourage Aliyah and I really felt like I started that because um I loved um I'm I love that I moved here and I wanted to you know open everybody else's eyes to the possibility of moving here um so I started blogging and then it turned into uh, working for a, you know, a video company in Israel and making videos with them and for them. Um, and it just became such a passion to find, have experiences. And, and if I wasn't just having them, I was looking for them. You know, I remember one day there was nothing on my schedule and I just hopped on any random bus in Yerushalayim. I didn't know that, that line at all. I think it was the 19, and it literally took me to Hadassah Hospital. Mm-hmm. I had never been there before, and all of a sudden I see this view, and I said, wow, look where Hashem took me to see this view, you know, and yeah. it was, and then I wrote about it, and, and um, then I actually, you know, started working, so I couldn't just have those types of, uh, let's just jump on a bus. Yeah. But, um, but I loved, I loved writing and I loved sharing and I loved the feedback and I loved that people were starting to message me and tell me that they're thinking about Aliyah, that what, you know, or I love people that 
that said to me that they that they opened up their computer with their morning coffee and read my blog post and that just knowing that there was there were people reading it on the other side inspired me more to keep writing and keep inspiring that's beautiful and what were you doing in the states with blogging you said you were doing live videos what were these live videos about it was about the Aliyah process and about getting ready, about getting my kids ready. Oh, getting ready packing, for it. Right. It was, and then, so when I, and it was funny because somebody had mentioned, um, this was really before live videos. Like now it's such a thing. Like now Instagram yeah. live, Facebook <laughs> live, everything, everything is, you know, when I started, it was not such a big thing. Yeah. Um, I remember my mother, my mother saying, what are you doing? You're talking to strangers. <laughs> I discovered you from from that, I was like, who is this confident lady who is talking all about Israel? And that's how I started following you on Facebook because I noticed that you were doing these lives. And I also know that one that's of the lives, funny. yeah, one of the lives that you were doing was actually with an old friend of mine, Zisi, who made Aliyah oh, wow. as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's how I discovered you. That's so funny. Yeah. Such a small world. Very Israel, small. I'm world. saying like the Jewish world is so small. Like when you come to Israel, it's even smaller. Exactly. Um, yeah, but I remember that. How did I get the name Tovan Israel? Because somebody mentioned to me, um, someone that followed me, a non-Jewish woman who loved the concept of you know me moving to Israel. She said, you know, Tova, I'm really nervous for you that you're putting your real name out there and you're talking to all these people and you don't know who they are. You really should come up with <laughs> with like a different name, you know? <laughs> so I was thinking, what the book could my name be? You know, and they're like, oh, Tova, and I'm going to be in Israel, Tova in Israel, whatever. It just, it was funny how, how it came up. So then Very when nice. I started writing, I said, oh, I, have, I have my blog name already. Like it literally just fell into place and, uh, wow. and I've been Tova in Israel. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. So Baruch Hashem, you came to Israel and you found your passion in the professional world. How did you find love in Israel? I know you met your current husband in Israel. So can you tell us about that experience? Yeah. So Baruch Hashem, I moved to Israel with my, um, with my children uh, while I was in Israel. Um, I got divorced and... A few months later, I met my husband, and we actually met on a fantastic, fantastic um, Israeli religious dating website called Shlishkan Eden. And I happen to know so many couples that actually met on that on that website, and I'm in touch with the the person, the woman that runs the social media account. Um, it's a fan, it's a really, I mean, whatever. But every it was my first time ever going on, you know, dating websites. But you have to like weed out, yeah, um, weed out the weeds. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Baruch Hashem, uh, I met Bitzalel there, and the funny thing is, is that like, how would we? I said to him after we had met, I said, how would we have ever met? You know, if not for this website, you know, like we have to have had a story if we, because what if there wasn't a website? How would we have? And he came up with a cute thing because my husband is uh, when we met he was in Keba he was uh, he was a rabbi in in uh, the IDF um, and I I run um, shuk tours of Machniu uh, de Market and he said okay here's my story this is how we would have met if we didn't meet on the website <laughs> you would have been taking on an American family on a on a shuk tour and I would have been with my chayelim in the in the shuk and you would have said. 
getting all excited, oh, let's take a picture of the, you know, of the tourists with the chayeli, and then you would ask me for my phone number because you wanted to send my, <laughs> with this whole scenario. Right. And I'm like, okay, 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 Hashem would have had another plan for us to meet if we didn't meet on this website. Right. Um, but the funny thing is that my husband really, he's Israeli. He's actually 10th generation Israeli. I'm clearly an, you know, American citizen that moved to, that moved to Israel. Um, he only speaks Hebrew. He speaks English also, but he really only speaks Hebrew. Um, mm-hmm. he has six, he had six kids already. Um, wow. and it was a, you know, I feel like if it was, you know, first time around or whatever, I feel like I would have been very scared off, but because when I met him and I spoke, when I spoke to him and I met him and I saw what an amazing, amazing person he is, like all those things, all those things that would have normally been like, wait, hold on a second. Can I marry someone and only speak Hebrew? Can I take on six more children? Like all those things were kind of like, well, I was okay with them because I realized he's, he was, he's such a good person. You know, I, right away I saw that he's a rabbi in the army. He donated a kidney. I said, this has to be a good person. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, and Baruch Hashem, we've been married for um, two and a half years already. Thank we have God. a beautiful baby daughter, Emuna Rachel. Um, She's adorable. And, <laughs> Absolutely. And we're blending a family together. Can I know? Ten children. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, I said I moved to Israel and I have all these new experiences. This is like the ultimate experience. Oh, you know? yeah. And oh, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean. Really, really incredible. Yeah, I mean, I see you as a woman who really takes a leap of faith in every aspect. You took a leap of faith when you made Aliyah. You took a leap of faith when you decided to take on the responsibility also of another family. I mean, how, like, how do you just do that? I think that with my daughter's name, Emuna, I feel like, my life is all about like believing in Hashem and knowing that Hashem is really along with me for the ride. And when I met, when I, when I saw, um, B'tzalel's name and his name is Chaim B'tzalel. And I said, I met him. Um, I met him when I was 36 years old. I, I was, which is double high. And that's wow. like, like a, a second chance for life. I said, like he is my my new life and then i said bitzel el in the in the shadow of, of hashem like hashem's hashkacha I, I felt like hashem sent them to me it was like literally hashem sent me a present and my friend said to me how could you how could you get married so quickly like i met him we dated a you know a few dates and we were already uh, talking about marriage hmm. and i said when, when hashem sends you a present you don't say no. You accept it graciously and you say, thank you, Hashem. Um, and it was so glaringly obvious, um, even with all of the, you know, you know, things that would have, you know, normally made me say, wait, what? Um, it was so glaringly, ob- glaringly obvious that, that this is who I was meant to marry. Wow. And, um, and, and Baruch Hashem, you know, uh, and when we named our daughter, um, Emuna. It was really because the two of us went through our our own individual stories and and we never lost faith in Hashem and and we really felt Hashem's presence in every part of our life and uh, that's beautiful. And yeah. So whenever you're going through a stressful situation or it's very challenging for you, 
Is what gets you going just the belief that God is with you or is there anything else that helps you rise above whatever challenges you're going through? Before Amuna was born, um, I haven't. I was pregnant before that, um, and I I lost that pregnancy at 22 weeks. And, I'm so sorry about that. Um, and anybody that goes through a situation like that, you know, um, it's extremely, extremely difficult and traumatizing. And um, like yeah. you hear my voice, it's cracking a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course. But. And, and, you know, and everybody experiences it differently. And, and uh, what got me through it was really saying that Hashem is with me for good or for bad. Um, this is the path I'm meant to be on. And I was meant to experience that for whatever reason. And as difficult as it was, and as heartbreaking as it was, and as traumatizing as it was, it just was, it was meant to be like that. And it took me a very long time to be able to speak, to be able to say that. Mm -hmm. And I know there are maybe women listening to this right now who are going through a situation like that now. Yeah. Um, and, and they don't want to hear nobody wants to hear that nobody wants to hear oh this is what Hashem wanted like nobody yeah. wants to hear that they want to hold their baby hand you know they want to hold their their baby in their hand and they don't want to think otherwise um and and that's how I felt also and the thing is is that the, that baby we were going to call the same name uh Amuna and I said to my husband I said um Hashem took our our chance of Amuna we didn't lose our our Amuna it it just got stronger. Beautiful. And then when Baruch Hashem, we got pregnant again and, and we were thinking about names, I was having a very hard time because I knew it was going to be a girl and and I really loved that name and I really still felt like I, I needed to express my my gratitude to Hashem and, and naming her the same name wasn't, I, I felt like how can I name her the same name? That's my connection to the other baby. And I said, I heard someone say once beautifully that that with every B, uh, this is just somebody's opinion. It's not, I don't know if it's true. I don't know. But when someone has, um, when someone has a, a miscarriage or a baby doesn't come to fruition, um, the neshama, the, the body for that baby wasn't strong enough for the neshama. And, and the neshama keeps trying to come down to, to be with the family. Mm -hmm. And I felt like when, when Baruch Hashem, our, our baby was born, I, I had in order to like have closure on what happened to me, what yeah. happened to us, I felt like I had to name her that because I felt in my mind to make peace with everything. I felt like that was the same neshama that was coming down and, and it deserved the same name. It gave you comfort. It gave me comfort and it, and it gave me, it, it grounded the experience. You know, yeah. um, I didn't have anything physical to show for the, for the loss. And, um, and it just, it made it, it brought peace to me you know it gave me closure and it gave me peace and it and it uh yeah so that's why we named her that name and we named her also Rachel and Muna Rachel because after that um after that loss a day later I went to Kevin Rachel and I cried my eyes out like literally literally like guttural sobbing mm -hmm. that women were coming over to me and bringing me a chair and water and and rubbing my back and making sure that I was okay and also, Kevrachal is literally like around the corner from where we live now, and we, we live in Har Choma, like right around, you know, right next to Beit Lechem. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, I felt like Rachel Menu was with me, and it was to really show a Karsatov to uh, 
you know, church philos on our behalf. Yeah, yeah. You had um, two or three children before that. Three. I have a my I have a fifteen year old daughter, and I have twins, a boy and a girl, that are thirteen now. We just made a bar mitzvah. Yeah, also like a whole, you know, thing during Corona. So yes. that was the whole, but Hashem, we. It was the bar mitzvah that never ended, from Hanachas to fill in at the hotel, and yeah. finally having leaning, and then the party. Hashem, yeah, we thank God, it all worked out. Exactly. One thing I noticed yeah. is that it doesn't matter if you have a miscarriage on your first, your second, your third, or even like someone's seventh or tenth child. A miscarriage yeah. is a miscarriage. And it's very painful. It's very, very painful. Yeah. And for whoever's listening to this right now, your pain is valid. You know, like you're speaking, you're speaking about this experience, about it happening to you from the past. And thank God you do, you are looking at it as a way right now that it was all for the good and Hashem wanted it to happen. But at the time when it happened, I'm sure you were, as you said, you were struggling and you were crying and it was very, very hard for you. You know, what I did was because it happened at such a late time, it was 22 weeks um, and everyone knew I was expecting, I felt like I had to share and I had to um, put a face to the pain and because so many people go through this at a much earlier date of pregnancy that people don't know that they went through it and they're living with their pain silently yeah and and it's a struggle because they have nobody to turn to they have nobody to talk to and I felt like if I share then it will give such validation to to everybody that's that's feeling pain and I remember going on Instagram and I was it was so raw and I the the tears and the the red face and the bright red eyes um wow. like the messages were pouring in and and the support was coming in and people sharing their stories and it was just a very um it was a very emotional time and uh but yeah. Actually, I guess, you know, I, I, when I still talk about it, I still get choked up. I don't, you know, like I'm sure people can hear. I'm still yeah. choked up. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, anybody that's going through it, you know, just stay strong and know that it's okay to feel your feelings, whatever you're feeling, it's normal. Um, and anybody could reach out to me. I'm, you know, I'm here to talk to anybody. If anybody wants to talk, um, they can message me. Um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, just keeping the keeping the faith and knowing that there's a bigger picture for everything, you know. Beautiful, Amen. Yes, thank you. I wanted to ask you. So Baruch Hashem Amuna is she has siblings from your side and she has siblings from Betzala's side, so she's like I guess the little princess yeah. of the family. <laughs> um, how does you know how does it work between the? All the siblings, like, do they fight over her? How do you make a blended family work? <laughs> so when she was first born, it was like, when she's turning five months old, so it's, I'm saying when she was first born, it was so funny because everybody would, you know, they wanted to 
someone was holding her and then they said, okay, I'm next. And then the next one said, I'm next. And I said, this isn't like a game where we take turns, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> it's a baby. We have to see if she has, you know, what she's feeling and if does she want to get passed around from, you know, one child to the next child. Yeah. Um, but, but it def- I was nervous that it was going to cause like competition or like right. this sister would, you know, from this side would, you know, want her more than the other one. And it, but instead it really, really connected everybody. And, and she's like the glue. She really brought everybody together. Yeah. So it's, uh, but, it, and it's funny because when she, when, you know, she's catchy and someone, and they want to pick her up. You know, after a few seconds, after a few minutes, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm putting you down. I'm like, no, no, no. There's rules now. For holding her, there's a minimum of 15 minutes. <laughs> like, because can you imagine this baby gets picked up? She's so excited. And then after two minutes, like, Ugh, I don't want to hold her anymore. They want to put her down. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> like, you picked her up. You are on her now for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like, so now they think twice. Do I want to pick her up now? Do I? Yeah. <laughs> So I see that, thank God, your family is very lively and there's a lot of noise and lots of messes. How do you maintain your sense of sanity when you have Baruch Hashem, 10 kids in and out? And also on the same note, how do you make time for you and your husband for some like alone time? How do you make it work? Okay, amazing question. So first of all, the kids are not here all the time. Um, so that's, you know, we are, we are either, we consider ourselves either a very young new couple or a very old couple with 10 children. Um, every other Shabbos, it's either us by ourselves and now with the baby, obviously, or a Shabbos with all 10 children. Um, and when we're alone, we really, we sit together, we talk, we... Um, we learn together. We have we have a whole wall of sperm, and we found a beautiful sperm on on marriage and about connecting to the parsha also. And and uh, we sit and we learn together. Wow, that's really um, nice. But we and and when we have Shabbos with all the kids, um, we say to them, "Don't make noise. We're going to sleep." Right. <laughs> right. Wow. And now, and it's funny because when when all the kids are here, I, I would normally say, "Oh my gosh, it's gonna be so noisy. How am I gonna sleep?" But the truth is, then they babysit for the baby. When we're by ourselves with the baby, we have nobody to babysit, and I don't get to sleep. So <laughs> it's like you know, it's a balance that so you have to find. We definitely find sleep for ourselves, and you know, making time for um, you know, as a new couple, and because when we have all the kids, then it is stress, and it is a lot of stuff, and every kid comes with their own pecola, and every every kid has their own challenges and and uh you know needs their own attention certain you know certain attention so right now i'm looking at a whole pile of laundry on the couch and you ask me how i keep my sanity i don't stress over it i would normally stress over it and i know that you know my mother would walk in and be like why is there laundry sitting on the couch <laughs> and i'm like because i just don't want to fold it right now <laughs> yeah yeah i think there's a certain attitude you need to have in order to stay sane and be able to manage many many kids and i notice like you need to be relaxed and chill <laughs> if you're going to be responsible for many kids otherwise like just impossible no but no but I, but I will tell you that like also you have to keep boundaries and you have to have have certain rules in the house because when you have 10 children sitting around the table um you know at a shabbos meal and this one starts making crazy noises and the other one starts yelling why is he making crazy noises 
like, yeah. there has to be a way to just to calm everybody down. And I know that like when two kids were, were kibitzing, it was not kibitzing, when they were like fighting with each other and I and I wanted to intervene, my husband was like, let them deal with it on their own. You know, mm-hmm. they'll get through it. And I noticed <laughs> that when I let them go through it now by themselves, it ends much faster as opposed to, you know, when I get involved, all of a sudden it's like, well, you like her better. She's your, you know, like all of a sudden become yes. like issues. So now like we, we just sit and watch and, and then the kids say, this is how you're parenting? <laughs> It's like there are a lot of there are a lot of, there are yeah. a lot of teenagers in this house. Oh my god. We all have a lot of opinions. So no yes. matter what we do, we're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you really just made me feel so much better. Cause I have I have like a nine and seven year old and I already feel like it they're like nine going on nineteen and like seven going on seventeen. So I'm just Yeah. Yeah. And also another thing that you said that was very interesting was that Betzalel takes the approach of let them handle it on their own, let them solve their own issues. And I just feel like that's a very Israeli mentality. And actually someone else I interviewed. It's, it's true, by the way. Yeah. I was a major helicopter parent when I was living in America. I was super, super helicopter parent. Um, and now it's like, okay, they want to go to the Makolot across the street by themselves. Let them go to the Makolot across the street by themselves. Yeah. Um, they want to go bike riding around the town. Okay, they're going to go bike riding. My kids take the buses by themselves. They are so independent here. And and I'm already trying to figure out how I'm going to be with, with the baby. Like, because I'm raising her from a baby here. It's not like I'm bringing, you know, yeah. she's not already a teenager. And I am... Um, I'm wondering if I'm going to revert back to my helicopter parenting or I'm going to also let her, you know, have her independence like the rest of the kids do. Um, so that will, that shall be a, something to see. Well, she'll have the best of both worlds from you and your husband. She'll have a good balance of both of you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for sure. Beautiful. Tova, I wanted to ask yeah. you, so I noticed that you're not blogging as much as you did pre-COVID does that ever does that ever bother you that you're not able to fulfill your passions you know in the professional life so it's funny because um before when I first moved to Israel I was looking for all these different um out of the house types of experiences um I don't know to find fulfillment, you know, and then because clearly in the house wasn't fulfilling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, really That's a very much. interesting um, take on it. And I was, you know, traveling and getting experiences and, and networking and making business connections, um, making videos and blogging and this and that. And, and having experiences is incredible, but now, um, and I would write about them and now I guess my life is so busy now and also I'm in and I'm my house is fulfilling now and and when I have experiences I'm traveling with my husband and we're experiencing um Israel together and we um it's just a, it I guess it evolved differently you know I stopped really writing on my on my website but now I'm you know storying on Instagram and mm-hmm. I post pictures on Facebook um you know uh but in terms of, and also when I was having all those experiences, it was before my actual job. It was before I was working in the, you know, doing uh, shook tours. So then I got so busy with my shook tours that I didn't have time for all the networking and those experiences. Yeah. Um, now I'm just hoping that with Ramona, the tourists will be able to come back and I'll be able to give my shook tours again. Um, 
God but willing. life evolves and and now it's also it's life in Israel it's just I'm living here it's not like it's not like it's new it's for like you new, it's not like a novelty yeah got it say it again yeah it's like new it's not new for you anymore it's more like you're you're part of the, the society just, yeah when I drive on this when I drive on the on the highway it's like it's exactly how it felt when I would drive on 46 in New Jersey, you know, going to the mall. Like now, okay, I'm going to Malcolm Mall. Meaning, like, it literally just became my life here. Like, it's just life. It's not, it's not new. I yeah. make it new because I look for new experiences all the time, but it's just, it's just a way of life here. It's just, you know, I go to the butcher, I go to the bakery. Like, it's just real life, you know? Real life. Thank you. Toba, can you send one? message to our listeners anything that is inspiring for them you have a message for our listeners so i think so i think that um my life here is really i've inspired uh, a lot of people to make aliyah and i really really hope that um that people will want to move to israel sooner than later um, and make this their home because not for fear of leaving anywhere else. I didn't move here because, um, because I was scared to, I was in America, I was in New Jersey. It was a wonderful life, but yeah. I decided to make, to, to put my life in Israel and it's just an incredible, fulfilling life. And I want everyone to have this type of life. I want everyone to come here and experience Israel and, I just hope that everybody comes sooner than later. I'm talking to my siblings also that are listening <laughs> that aren't in Israel. Um, Thank you. But really, I'm talking to you also. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, no, but really, <laughs> I, I would love for, for everyone to come here and live here and experience uh, Israel the way that I get to. Beautiful. Tova, so where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? So like I said, everything is Tova in Israel. All Tova right. Tova in Israel on Instagram, <laughs> Tova in Israel on Facebook. Um, they can reach out, follow, message, uh, um, and just join me for the, for the journey. Yes, and I've been joining you on the journey, and it's been incredible. Mm-hmm. I love seeing the way you're showing your family, the fulfillment of your family life, your sweet, adorable baby, Amuna, who just gives me so much joy and laughter. I love babies, by the way. I just, I know. It's just been incredible getting to know you through your stories and your posts. And actually having this conversation with you has been fascinating for me. And you've been very inspiring for me. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you for inspiring everybody and bringing to light all these different stories from all over the world of uh, Jewish women. Um, and it's just really, it's really a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Tova. I appreciate it. Shalom. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and feel free to reach out with feedback and questions. If you want to learn more about what I do, you can check out my Instagram page at coach.kk and check out the link in my bio. Let's connect.